as the catechism says. And, uh, but we have different personal reasons why we select things. And today I selected Psalm 121 for at least two or three reasons. But one is we have a large group that are in Israel or on their way or getting ready to land in Israel right now, uh, today. And, um, and, and so that thinking about that, praying um, for them, caused me to think in particular about this psalm for many, many reasons. And I knew last night we were going to go to Jim and Gloria's um, home. And from our vantage point that night, those of you that were here, one of the very first things when you when you arrive there and is you you lift your eyes and you look at the at the peaks and it was a stunning it was a stunning view and um, what encouragement it was to to watch the sun um, go down and even with the clouds as the daylight gives away and we're having wonderful fellowship yet your eyes are still drawn to those to those hills and to, and, and to that that picture. And, and knowing all that was going on and knowing that Psalm 121 is one of my very favorite psalms, it's one of the psalms I, I read probably the most often in hospitals and in nursing home situations. Um, I often use it in homegoing services. It was one of those things that's special to my heart, so I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to just look at it today. Uh, it's, it's not complex, it's not hard, there are some unique portions of it that we'll, we'll talk about. I won't preach the psalm today. Today will be more devotional, but we'll look at the context. We'll talk our way through it, and then um, likely, if you will, uh, preach through it um, next Sunday and conclude our time. So I don't know what copy of um, translation you use, but whatever that is, we're going to look at several this morning. Actually, open your Bibles to Psalm 121. I titled it, Keep your eyes on the keepers, on the keeper. Wow, when I was a little boy, I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but I'm just going to leave it at this. When I was a little boy, there was a song that was really popular on the radios. And it says, Jeepers Creepers, where did you get those peepers? Jeepers Creepers, where did you get those eyes? I know, you're looking at me like, are you kidding me? There's only six people here ever heard of that. But um, this psalm, reminds us of the amazing importance of our eyes. And um, it, it, it's a psalm of lifting up and looking up. And we have spent three weeks talking about fear and all the fears that we face. And that was another reason I picked this. We needed to lift up our eyes from all the fear that surrounds us. Tuesday could be a, a great day. We vote on Tuesday, right? Yeah, well, I remember several years ago we thought Tuesday would be a, a great day and it was an absolute disaster. And Anyhow, I, I mean, we have to lift our eyes above everything that's going on around us, don't we? We have to lift our eyes to something eternal, something that's higher. And this psalm helps us to do that. And it's, it's put in here for that, for that reason. And we need to keep our eyes on the keeper. But I'm going to tell you, and that's what we're going to talk about from a devotional standpoint, that takes discipline. You think about spiritual disciplines, it's doubtful to me if I sat here with a clipboard and said, okay, 
let's come up with as many spiritual disciplines as would be good for a believer to put into his life, I doubt that anybody would say to me, the discipline of always looking up, that probably wouldn't be on the list. But I think this psalm shows us that that's a discipline we desperately need. We, we need desperately to be people who are always looking up, and not just to the hills, but above the hills and the creator of the hills. And this psalm helps us in a, in a wonderful way to do it. And so, I have there in your handout the introduction in the context. We're marching up Zion, the beautiful city of God. And, and Claude, I guess if I'd have been thinking, I would have told you like a week ago, and we could have sang that song today, right? But, you know, my brain is... So, uh, anyhow, familiar with that song, right? Great, great song. This psalm, Psalm 121, is the second in 15 sequential um, songs that we call the, uh, the Song of Ascent, or it used to be called Degrees. If you want a fascinating study, you could dive into the commentaries and, and look at all the muttering. And I'm going to say muttering because it can actually get confusing. But, but, but some would maintain that the word degrees was right because there were 15 steps to the temple and each one of these was supposed to be sung in each one of the steps. There's no real historical evidence to prove that's true, but it really sounds good. And there's a whole bunch of stuff like that. It may be true. I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just saying there's, there's no biblical evidence to say that's what it was. But most of your translations will say um, a song of ascent. Because the idea is, is, is they're going up. They're marching. They're marching up. These psalms, the, the 15 of them, have been clearly grouped together by design in the Hebrew hymn book that we're looking at, and they were used by the pilgrims as they were heading to the annual feasts, three of them in particular, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. Jerusalem, as I'm sure that most of you know, how many here have been to Jerusalem? Let me get an idea. So, actually not a lot. Jerusalem is situated at a high elevation compared to everything around it. I have this in your handout. The uh, Mount Zion is the heart and the high point of the old city of Jerusalem, and it's about 2,550 feet above sea level. But Jericho, um, the, the pathway going up from Jericho to Jerusalem, um, it, it climbs some 3,400 feet, and of course in those days it was a precarious um, pathway at best. So no matter what direction, there's only a few ways you can get up to Jerusalem. You can't get there from anywhere without going up. These are psalms or songs of ascent that the Israelites sang as they were making their way up to Jerusalem. I have written down there, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, lift up your gates and sing. Hosanna to the highest. Hosanna to your king. You familiar with that song? I'll tell you, um, it is a very moving experience. If you sign on for a tour to Israel, Judy and I have had the blessing of going twice. And two different tour guides, two different times, two different organizations. But they were both the same. You never go to Jerusalem to start with. You finish in Jerusalem. That's the, that, that's the anchor of your trip. 
And we, each time, when we went to Jerusalem, before we went to Jerusalem, we were at the lowest part. We were actually down at the Dead Sea. And while you were down there, they would show you Masada. You would go up to Masada, really um, not spoken much about in a biblical context, but um, a very interesting place after the destruction of Jerusalem where um, some of the Jews fled for their life and held up there for a long period of time until they were conquered. And knowing they were going to be conquered and it wasn't going to be able to stop, it's a fascinating read, but they had this system of lots where they killed themselves because they were not going to let themselves be taken by the enemy. So that's Masada, but the Dead Sea is the lowest place on earth and the sea is dead okay and so it's full of mineral salt and so we would travel up on the roadway from of us from the Dead Sea to Jerusalem we've already seen all of Galilee and Bethany and been on the Sea of Galilee and all all the other places and now you're going to go for the last few days to Jerusalem and you come up on that bus and uh, if, I, if my memory serves me right, it's probably about a three-hour trip. Um, and as you're starting that first outskirts of the town, on the bus, they, they start this music, um, the singing of Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And everybody on the bus will start singing it, and everybody is, is praising the Lord and clapping their hands. And I'm, I'm telling you, it's such a moving experience um, as they try to recreate you what perhaps the Jews would have been feeling like in that day as they left the, the humdrum difficulties of life and they lifted their eyes and they ascended and they, they're making this hard, difficult journey. And now they finally have reached the outskirts of Jerusalem and they know soon they're going to be in the city of God and then be able to worship at the temple and so this is the setting of the, of the Psalms of Ascent. And uh, I, I love this um, one in particular. It's a Nama Psalm. Um, it's often called um, the Traveler's Psalm. So you might say, yeah, you know how often it is here in Sunday school. Somebody's going to travel and we ask for what? what? What do we ask people to pray for? Traveling mercies. Well, there you go, Psalm 121. You can say, this is a traveling mercies song. And a traveling mercies prayer. Very, very, very biblical um, to ask for that. And it's a powerful affirmation of God's sovereignty and the goodness of his divine protection. And so this is a, is a psalm of celebration. It's, it's, it's a very uplifting and an encouraging psalm. It, it, it celebrates the security of God's people in very insecure situations. And may I say, we're always in insecure situations, it's just sometimes we don't realize it. And so this psalm gives us that security and that reminder and that hope. It, it gives us comfort. The Spirit of God takes in gives us faith when we, when we read this and gives us encouragement. It's, it, it's a scripture that's totally triumphant, joyous. It's one of the most upbeat passages of scripture, and, and it reminds us of our Heavenly Father who is our keeper. God is our keeper. And, and we can rest secure in his loving kindness. 
And I wanted that encouragement for my heart today, and I wanted it for us. Uh, amen? Uh, it's a favorite uh, of many, and I, I would sit here and say it's worth memorizing and meditating on. Um, several, several groups that um, have put this song out in different arrangements, and uh, I, I spent the whole week listening to um, Sovereign Grace's new arrangement on Psalm uh, 121, I'll lift up my eyes. It's just, it's magnificent. But it helps you meditate and literally memorize the entire psalm as you're going through your day or as you're going through your prayer time. I, I would encourage you to do that. I could have shown you a, a dozen outlines that different expositors or commentaries use. I chose Steve Lawson's and put it here in his Holman Old Testament commentary. Um, he, he would divide it up that God is my strength. Um, and that's what he calls it. This psalm is, is how you find strength in uncertain circumstances. But he, he says God is my strength in those first two verses. God is my support in verses 3 and 4. God's my shade, verses 5 and 6. And God is my savior. See the the gospel there in verses in seven and eight. So I want to read this psalm. Um, I'm going to read it three times uh, today, so it will really set in. And um, I'm going to read it in the in the King James. It's so poetic, and um, I'll get myself mixed up because that's how I have it memorized. And then I'll I'll go to the hospital and I'll I'll open up. Uh, whatever scripture is there I happen to take with me. And I almost never take the King James with me anymore because it's like a foreign language to most people I'm ministering to. But then the words change. And I know one word, and then I'm saying different words, and it can get me befuddled. But the words are, uh, it means the same thing. And so I, I want you to hear it in all the, all the different um, beauties. I'm going to read it. You follow along in whatever translation you have there. But I'm going to read it in the King James, and then I'm going to come back and I'm I'm going to read it in the ESV, which I think probably a good share of our people um, use. And um, I take that back. I'm, going to, I'm not going to read it in ESV because most of you have that. I'm going to read it in NASB. And then I'm going to read it lastly. <gasps> I, I know I shouldn't, but I'm going, to, I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. I, I want you to hear it in all, all three and, and listen to the beauty and listen for those little nuanced changes. Some... 121, a song of degrees. I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this day forth and forevermore. I'm going to read this same psalm now. I'm trying to get my watch off my wrist because I have no idea what time it is so that's what I'm fooling with here 
you know you're right. I didn't, for, I didn't set my clock at the right time. But anyhow. <clears throat> From Nasby. A song of ascents. I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From where shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will not slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard you going out, and you're coming in from this day forth and forevermore. Okay, let's listen to the New Living Translation. A song for pilgrims ascending to Jerusalem. Look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He shall not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. So... Psalm 121. I think it's probably fairly obvious to you that the um, repetition of the word um, keep or keeper is uh, predominant in this psalm. It's used six times. If you look back at the text again, you'll see that it's used in verse 1, from whence shall my help come. It's used again there in verse 2, my help comes from the Lord. You see in, in verse 1, that second stanza in verse 1 is a question. But it's, it's a rhetorical question that the author himself answers. So the answer he gives immediately. And he's not saying his help comes from the hills, but they're going up and they're looking at the hills. And so he, he asks that rhetorical question, immediately giving the answer, in verse 2, my help comes from the Lord. And then he adds, who made heaven and earth. What he's trying to say is, who made the hills? He's the one that made the mountains. In verse 3, you see, it says, he who keeps you will not slumber. It's the same Hebrew word. He who, he who keeps you or he who helps you. That's how he helps you. He keeps you. Behold, he who keeps or helps Israel will neither slumber or sleep. The Lord is your keeper. He's the shade on your right hand. The sun won't smite you. Hot in Israel. And uh, using the reference there that in the, in the heat of the day, the Lord is your protection. 
there's the physical elements of this psalm, but there's also the spiritual elements of the psalm. He, he, he protects you in the, in the heat of your, of your circumstances, in the, in the heat of your, of your trials, whether they be day or night. He's your shade. He keeps you. He protects you. He's there, all circumstances, all the time. You see that in, in verse 7. The Lord will protect you from evil. I should ring a bell with you. Protect you from evil. Sounded all like the model prayer in, in Matthew 6? Sure. He's, he's the protector. We, we, we pray, don't we, for ourselves and for our families. Lord, keep us from the evil one. Keep us from evil. Protect us from evil. Lord's able to do that and wants to do that. And the psalmist says that here. He'll protect you from evil and he will keep your soul. And so we have this, uh, this tremendous psalm. Lord was the keeper of the Israelites in this difficult um, journey upward. And he protects us in our difficult journey. We live in a fallen world. It's, it's a tough walk uphill um, to Zion. We said many times we're citizens here of the United States of America. More importantly, our citizenship, our real citizenship is in heaven. And heaven is up. And we're to continually look up. And Jerusalem was up. And as the travelers looked up, they looked forward. Remember, in that day, in that age... They met with God at the temple. And that's where his presence resided. And so they were looking forward to going up and meeting with God along with their fellow worshipers. And it was a, a joyful experience, much like we should anticipate coming here as, as we gather uh, to worship together. But we have the joy in this age of the Holy Spirit who is present within us. We don't have to come to a building. This building isn't the church. We are the church. And so we gather together with the same kind of exuberance and we look up and we worship our God and we try to create that in our services where all eyes are lifted to Christ and to, and to his word and we, we worship him. For then when we, when we worship him and when we love him, then we're ready to love one another and serve him in love. And so this psalm uh, reminds us of that. The psalm is really full of gospel promise when you look at that end. It's that the Lord will guard your going out and your coming in this day forward and forevermore. Pastor Farrell has been taking us through Romans and looking at the blessing of our salvation, and we just recently looked at the security of our salvation justified by faith, we're secure. And, and no matter what happens here, we have the, the promise that will never leave us and forsake us, and he that's begun a good work in us is going to take us all the way home. Nothing can stop that from happening. And, and we have that encouragement, so we need to keep lifting our eyes up to him. And of course, part of the way we do that is, the primary way we do that is his word. You look at verse... One and two again, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains or to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord who made 
heaven and earth. So he's looking up. The psalmist is looking up and it's a beautiful thing. And so I was thinking about that. Um, I have a number of commentaries as I guess any, any pastor or teacher would have. And um, one I read recently was from David Paulson. He's an ACBC counselor and um, prolific author, pastor, teacher. Not too long ago, if I'm not mistaken with this, went home to be with the Lord. Probably about um, three years ago, two years ago, but not not all that long ago. Um, And it's interesting, at least for me, to read what somebody wrote once they're once they're dead, and uh, what a testimony of, of faith this, this man has. He, he's the one that wrote the book we often encourage you to read, Seeing with New Eyes. And, and just that whole idea of, of seeing uh, n- new eyes and, and the importance of, of our look and the spiritual discipline uh, of our look. And he, and he points out in that book that um, it takes a discipline to look up. And, and he pointed out that perhaps that's one of the reasons that God put Jerusalem where it is. And, and why he, he chose to set the whole thing up that way, that, that, that the pilgrims would always have to look up and look to him. And, and of course, that, that looking up is, is always imitated, because we know when we look all the way through the Old Testament, we see that the pagans, and many times um, the 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 people of God would fall into pagan worship and they would set up idols. And where would they set up idols? In high places, right? Uh, so there's many ways that the small g God of this world tries to uh, mimic and steal your attention. But, but he simply tries to do what God's already said. He steals it and does it a, a, a different way. God says, look up. Are, are you asking to say something to me? Yeah, actually, I, I think that is the context. I realize that many of the of the commentaries say that, sure. And no, I, I don't. It's not. A, it's not an argument. I'm. I'm just saying that's not really where where I'm going with that right now. That that um, the reason the author is saying that is because he's saying I'm not looking up. To the high places, I'm looking to the God who made the high places, and that's that is one of the contexts many give with this psalm. So I don't dispute that at all. But it's that looking up, looking to God, um, who is the maker uh, of everything, and our looking, our eyes have have lots of functions, uh, and it's really amazing. Um, and they're put right here in the center of our head. And our, our natural bent is to look ahead or to look down. That, that's our natural bent. We look ahead or, or, or we look down. Um, we look down for the pathway. Um, certainly the travelers had to look down to make sure they were traveling carefully, but at the same time, lift your eyes up to the hills. Keep, keep one eye in the, in the sky 
uh, if you will, your, your look. And think of the power of your look and where you look and how you look. And, and you know you can't separate your look from your heart. Uh, you know they're interconnected and, and there's a spiritual connection that's there. Um, think of the Lord Jesus and his look. Do you remember when he looked at the Pharisees when he was um, getting ready to cleanse the temple and he was speaking to them? I mean, he, he, he gave them um, a look of, of anger, righteous anger and indignation. And there was that look. And, and the scripture is pretty clear that he had a pretty special look at Peter as he warmed his hands by the, by the fire. And they were taking him from one place of judgment to the other. And he looks at Peter and in a moment with those eyes, Peter's heart is broken. Do you remember that? And then he goes to, this isn't in chronological order, it's what's coming into my head. Um, he goes to the tomb of, of Lazarus, and, and Mary meets him. And when Mary meets him, and, her, and her, her brother has died, that's where we get the famous verse that every child loves to memorize. Jesus wept. What's his eyes full of? His eyes are full of compassion. His eyes are full of empathy, comfort, tears. And uh, there's, there's great power in the eyes. Jesus said, the eye is the lamp of the body, and if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. And there's so many instances that we need to lift our eyes. We need to look up unto the hills from whence cometh our help. So we, we, we do that by looking to the word. But remember how we talked about how do you have victory over fear and how we have to walk in that truth. We have to, we have to think right. Well, thinking right is looking up. Thinking right is looking to God's word. We, remember how we talked about we can't let ourselves talk to ourselves, but we must speak the truth to ourselves through his word. And so we think right. We tell ourselves the truth no matter how we feel. We have to continually lift our eyes to the hills, just like these pilgrims did. They had to lift their eyes to the hills, even while they walked that difficult journey of several days to come up and, and to meet with God. And so we need to be people that are disciplined to look up. It's so easy to look down, isn't it? It's easy to look down on other people. It's easy to look down on your circumstances. It's easy to look down on the world that's around us. You get to be my age and you remember the world or America as it once was. And if you just only look there, then you'd be pretty discouraging. You'd be pretty down. But no, the, the message to us this morning and every day is a commitment. I will lift my eyes up unto the hills. And yea, above the hills, above all the man-made idols of this world, to the God who made the hills. And I will continually do that. I'll lift my eyes above the circumstances. We will remember Peter when he walked on water in the midst of the storm. As soon as he stopped lifting his eyes 
to his Savior, he started to sink. Um, we see that over and over again. So the, the power and the discipline of lifting our eyes. And so as we lift our eyes towards heaven, uh, this morning Michael, I believe, is preaching from John 15. And, and we have to stay hooked to the vine so that in every situation we can look up and we can think right, just like these travelers in this wonderful traveling prayer um, to look up. And, and knowing as we do that, um, we have that confidence that the Lord will, will keep us. He's our keeper. Whatever the situation, he's the one that's going to keep us. He will hold us fast. He'll, he'll take us through the end of the day, and, and we'll have a testimony at the end. We'll have a testimony. You know what that testimony will be? The Lord was with me in all of my going out and all of my coming in from the day I was saved and forevermore. That will, that will be our testimony. That will be the testimony of the saints around the throne of God. And so be encouraged this morning and lift your eyes to heaven and look around. As you, as you look around, if you see a brother or a sister or somebody else that you don't know, maybe they need to be encouraged today. Maybe you need to help lift their eyes, not, not physically taking their head and lifting them up, but maybe you need to lift them up by speaking encouragement into their life, speaking some truth into their life. Help somebody lift their eyes and walk in that grace today for the glory of Christ. We'll look at the details uh, of the psalm most likely again next week. God bless you. You are dismissed.